This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to the Blues Focus podcast with me, Tommy Castle, Jamie Lawler and Zach Woods. Good evening, lads. How are you? All good, thanks, Tommy. All good? All good, man. Everything's all and, <laughs> and also tonight's special guest, Cliff Horrocks from the Blues Trust. How are you tonight? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, good to see you all. Looking <laughs> forward to this. Yeah, so this episode of the podcast is basically going to be uh, talking about how things at the club are going at the moment, obviously with the recent... Uh, response from the chairman about the open letter, uh, which we you, you were there for, handing into the main reception, yeah. um, and talking also a bit about the behind-the-scenes stuff of the club as well and everything, and uh, how the future of the club can look like as well, because it is a bit of a nervy time at the moment, so I'm pretty sure we can all agree with that. Um, but if you want to do a quick introduction of yourself and what about the Blues Trust you would do at the work there? Yeah, so I've, I'm chair of the Blues Trust at the moment. I've been chair for the last I don't know, about four years, I think, something like that. Um, it's it, Blues Trust originated when um, when there was having problems with Carson Young as the owner, <laughs> and uh, I just became a member so that I could contribute to the people that were trying to sort that out. And uh, then over the years, I think Blues Trust, after the Carson Young era, sort of um, dipped down and whilst it and was become a very small organization and they were desperate for some people to help and so i helped <laughs> and then got roped into being the chair and stuff like that uh i do enjoy doing it it's um it's sometimes a, a strange thing to do because we go to the games for the football and and you know watching the match and having a good day out and stuff but uh you know, the work of the Blues Trust is sort of behind the scenes to a certain degree, you know, trying to worry about the club's future and things like that. And, uh, you know, so, you know, looking at accounts and that sort of issues. So it's it's not the most exciting stuff in the world for most fans, to be fair. But, uh, yeah, we, you know, and when it comes to protests, that's a bit more sexy, I guess. So, you know, we, <laughs> we, you know, we, and and to be fair, our membership always goes up when there's uh, you know issues on the pitch and people wanting to protest. So uh, you know that's sort of the life of the in the trust, if you like. But, uh, yeah, I, I was just going to say, I imagine it's a, a very important job and everything, and and what you do is is hopefully having a, a good impact on the club and everything. So I know you work extremely hard, but I guess before at the moment things are a bit. Well, they're not going great off the pitch at the moment. So if we get into some maybe more positive things about Blues, what what are some of your favourite Blues moments? You know, how long have you been a fan? How did you get into watching and following and supporting Birmingham City? Yeah. I, originally, my granddad took me down. And that, the first game, but I can't remember, it was in 63, I think, <laughs> against oh, Norwich. Yeah. I've got a programme somewhere that, that my granddad gave me for that game. But I really started going and having a season ticket in the 70s. So the promotion runs into the into what was then Division 1 in the 70s. And that's that's my background and starting uh, at the Blues. 
been there ever since. I, I boycotted them for uh, about 10 years when they appointed Ron Saunders as a manager. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was playing football and stuff on a Saturday afternoon and most games were Saturday afternoon, so it wasn't a great hardship to boycott it then. But I did say I'm boycotting it because Saunders is the manager. Um, but if I'm, uh, right, if I'm right in thinking, is Ron Saunders was he the old Villa manager? Yeah, yeah, he was the Blues, yeah. And Jim Smith was the manager before then. People might remember him. But fantastic manager, great guy. Yeah. And they 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 sacked him and brought Saunders in. You know, it's beginning it's of the end. Going over the expressway like that. They're, they're, always, they're always agents. We sent McLeish that the other way, didn't we, to get our own back? So that was all right. <laughs> After we did really well. <laughs> yeah. In, ter in terms of favourite moments, then I'm sure the Carling Cups cups well up there for you. Yeah. But any other standout moments? As yeah. A fan? No, de definitely the Carling Cups are one for me. The the promotion when we were up up at Sheffield Wednesday, I think it was seventy two, getting promotion and then going down to Orient with the Millwall fans trying to get the game abandoned because <laughs> 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 if we didn't get promoted they were getting promoted so they all went to Orient, the orient game and so yeah it was uh good, good times and there was some great times in division one there you know and i can remember a game where we beat liverpool 4-1 at home and stuff like that and you know it was all good stuff <laughs> uh happy days but for me it's going to the carling cup and, and I, I just remember being sat on a packed train on the way back with a bottle of champagne on the table and didn't give us anything about anything. You just, you know, that's it's happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that stunned feeling, just sat yeah. on the train, just like, what on earth has just happened? <laughs> we were talking about it on the podcast a few weeks ago, actually, when the, it was the anniversary, because it was about a week ago, wasn't it, when the yeah, anniversary think, was for it, wasn't it? Yeah. It's it's February, it? The, the only team in the West Midlands to win a trophy this millennium, you remember? Still yeah. the best achievement, yeah. It's, <laughs> they ain't going to win anything anytime soon. Do they? No, it's nice. It's nice to have that to brag about at least. But in terms of the open letter that was sent, obviously, um, we've recently had the the response from the club and everything. What What are your thoughts on the way the club responded to it? Are you fairly happy? Well, with it? yeah. I'm, well, I'll start by saying I'm glad they responded. <laughs> because there was a danger that they wouldn't even respond, I guess. So I'm glad they responded. And I know from speaking to um, basically Ian Dutton at the club, the MD, that the chair was involved in writing that. And, you know, it, uh, so it, it sort of is from him and it has gone up and BHSL know about it and stuff. But, you know, it's a bit underwhelming, really, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, it, I I understand the, um, you know, we can't say anything legally. Um, and to a great extent, that's true about, you know, new owners and how they're getting on with the deal. But I think the bottom line for fans is we, we, we want to know whether they're really trying to sell the club or whether they're just stringing us along. And, you know, the answer doesn't help with that. I think the answer, the answer helps with getting the fan-led um review recommendations of uh shadow boards or fan fan advisory boards in place um again we've been talking to the club about that for the last 12 months and trying to get that sorted and and it's always been blocked by the board um you know maybe we have had some action and the board have changed their mind and decide they want to do it but that might be because the white papers come out saying that they're gonna have to do it when legislation comes through anyway so in some respects you know we're not being given a lot mm. so i mean i i guess i guess the view going forward is pick up the, the scraps that you can and let's get you know a fan advisory board in place because i think that will help with communications and stuff like that and it creates a forum where they can talk about confidential things um you know the people in there can't let it out afterwards, but they can say, you know, progress is good, progress is bad or whatever and things like that. So at least you can get something out of those things to the wider community. Mm -hmm. But uh, it can also, you know, and it will also give fans the chance to say, well, we think that's a really bad idea or we think that's a really mm -hmm. good idea, you know, or, or, or push things forward. So is, is that what the idea is then for the fan board then? Because yeah. it's, it's obviously, it's... Um, it's like it's 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 advertised like that but like is that genuinely the real point behind it because yeah 
they could plaster it over in some other ways, perhaps. Well, yeah, I mean, there's the fan boards up and down the country work, you know, some work really well and some don't work very well at all. The, um, the club have got to buy into it to make it work properly. Um, but again, it's it's just part of fan engagement, having a fan board um, or a fan advisory board. It's got to be sitting with all the other stuff that you need to do. It's not instead of, you know, fans forums to talk about match day experiences and, and stuff like that. It's not in lieu of communications, it, it, or, you know, with fans. It, but it's it's a way of being able to talk with fans about, you know, the finances of the club and the legal issues with, um, you know, no other environment, you know, like a fans forum and stuff, because everybody's free to go out and put what they like on social media and stuff after that. Mm. Um, and, and quite rightly so. But so there's never an environment where they can't say we can't, we can't tell you because of legal reasons. But the fan advisory board would be an environment where that excuse doesn't wash. I see, yeah. So you could talk about some more in detail confidential stuff to those yeah. particular fans on that board. Yeah. Which I'll would be, be of how many what what type of fans would be invited well, into those boards? Well we've we've put suggestions in um to the club on the terms of reference for the board and stuff, based mainly on the Football Sporters Association um They've got some base terms of reference that should be used and stuff. But in, in effect, I think, I think our, I'll, I'll talk about our suggestion, but they're all very similar, would be, I can't remember the numbers now, but I think, I think it was um, seven fan representatives and seven, um, you know, from the club. They have to include the board members. So, you, you know, uh, and, and it... it a lot of uh, fan forums say one of the owners has to come there at least once a year, so right, yeah, like that, to uh, to get it to the right level. Um, obviously, as Blues Trust, we're suggesting that Blues Trust has a place on that uh, mm -hmm. advisory board, and um, and you you need to do things like make sure you've got somebody who can understand equalities issues and 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 things like that, so that if you if you're having a debate. There's somebody in the room with those, with that sort of knowledge to 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 really help, not not go in the wrong direction on some of those things. Um, but but generally, supporters, uh, the, the the way we suggesting it goes is that you know people apply to to be on the fan board and uh, and you know get interviewed basically by the club and any any other positions from fans that that the club have agreed. You know, are just positions to be filled, like as we would say, the Blues Trust. I think there's an equalities place that needs to go on there, and and uh, you know, maybe maybe some other groups can make a case for you know a position to be uh, on there. But I think each group would have to make a case, and then you need to have some. I think I think I think we've suggested in the past that uh, maybe the fans forum could vote particular people onto there or something like that. Mm. So, so it's not going to be like a, it's not going to be like an, another Twitter, is it, or something? It's no, just, it's going to be much more formal, much more yeah, constructive. No, it, yeah, they they usually end up with between four and eight meetings a year. There's usually it's usually a requirement for a minimum of four meetings a year, and at, at least two of those, the chairman has to be there, uh, things like that. And when when recruiting to that board, you you probably need to look at people's other skills as rather you know as well as being a blues fan um obviously that's a requisite but but other skills that they can bring to a boardroom really um because at the moment obviously it would be quite a few arguments going on in that meeting i would guess yeah <laughs> why why yeah. don't you go and stuff like that <laughs> however in in a in a in a in a, in a better environment it's really good for the club to be able to run stuff by fans, you know, progress, visions for the future, um, ground developments, stuff like that, um, you know, what their budgets are going forward and things like that, which are obviously mm -hmm. confidential and you can't do in a fans forum, but, but you can do and it, it really helps the club make better decisions if they've got something like that in place. It's, uh, I think if you read the stuff in the 
in the uh, Football Sports Association. <laughs> I think the advert for it basically says, if, you, if you're a club, why aren't you doing this? It gives you a competitive advantage. And, and it does. So there's, there's good reason for doing it. But it can't be the only way you engage with fans. All the other yeah. engagement routes have to be there. You know, fans forums, proper communication. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's that's all we want as fans. We've uh, we just want a bit more communication in terms of what's going on at the club, mm. what's happening in terms of this sort of in terms of this sort of fan thing. It's, it might be a question you can't answer, but do you know how much of a say these fans are going to have? Say the seven people who are within this. Yeah within this board are they going to have much of a, a voice in terms of they say this and this will happen or is it a collective decision like do you know how it's going to look or well I, I think usually what happens is you know major issues you know get aired as a discussion topic rather rather than the club coming along and saying we're doing this and somebody says well i like that and, and somebody else says well i don't like that <laughs> I, th I, th I think if it works well it works as a discussion group you know we're thinking about the following issues and usually the agendas put together um quite often they have co-chairs to it so there's somebody from the club and somebody from the fans who put the agenda together for meetings and stuff like that and so everybody gets a say in what needs to be discussed and and a discussion will happen it hasn't got any power as such to say and we want this yeah. but if you're a decision maker at a football club then getting a lot of opinions in and the fans opinions uh is really helpful most of the you know like if, if i think about the blues trust board most and and to be fair a lot of the people that run a lot of the other fan groups they've all run their own companies and or you know been in positions in big companies you know and you know that they're not a, we're not a bunch of idiots in the fan in the fan base there's yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of good knowledge and a lot of good experience people have got lives other than the blues which you know some of them are quite um you know well successful yeah mm. yeah it's interesting the fan board obviously because we can really look at what the future of the blues but one thing i was going to ask actually was the potential ownership takeovers and everything but also as well as the previous one that has recently been under investigation obviously the richardson and yeah. lopez consortium that now fell through and obviously now we're potentially linked with dale who could be taking us over as well so what's your sort of view on that what you need what what can you tell us on that oh i, I can probably talk about the richardson one quite a lot if, if we as, as we need to because um because we uh, as, as a trust we knew paul richardson or and personally i knew him reasonably well um you know just to do with the blues and the reason for that is one one of the remits of blues trust is if the club enters administration then the administrator under dfl rules has to speak to the, the trust or the fan group or or the you know a fan group and uh and it has to be a regulated body if you like the fan group that they speak to which is what the trust is so we always have to have a plan b in place for if the club goes bust tomorrow what would we say to the administrator about what we think you know should happen and stuff mm. and so for a number of years paul richardson had been uh, our plan b if you like um so if if all of a sudden the club had gone into administration we would have rocked up and said well we've got this plan of setting it out like this and the finance is going to come from paul richardson and he'll really be the owner but you know and uh, you know obviously our solution has got a lot of fan involvement and stuff like that but uh and so you know that that plan b is a bit dead in the water to be fair because paul <laughs> especially if he's uh if he's if he's if he's up for some uh charges mm. which as, as he says he'll defend vigorously and i'm not sure paul himself uh should be charged but we'll we'll find no. out that. i we'll was going to ask you that, actually, about that yeah i will ask you that later i will ask you do you believe he is innocent of these things because mm -hmm. it, it did seem to come out of nowhere didn't it yeah i mean i'm there's, there's a side we'll, we will talk about it in a bit there's a side of me that can see a strategy from the EFL which is very helpful for the Blues but 
you know, we don't like the EFL a great deal, but <laughs> and and they they have spoken to me in the past. Certainly, before Richardson one was going through, you know, to have a as you say, a bit like a fan advisory board. They'll speak to me, but you know, it's confidential and stuff like that. And now it's a bit past. We can talk about it a bit better, but uh, yeah. So yeah, I think I think the charges are helping with the sale of the club, but mm. they obviously didn't help. Well. Paul Richardson never got over the line with the EFL. Um, Paul thought he could get over the line with the EFL, but but the deal fell through before he had to get over the line, if you like. What, one of the things you have to do if you're uh, trying to get through the EFL uh, is obviously do the owners and directors tests. And, I, and to be fair, I don't know whether Paul had done the owners and directors tests or not. Or I presume he'd put an application in and not had an answer back because they also have a look at your business plan and how the club's going to run and where you're going to get your money from. And so I know I know he hadn't proven all his funding to the EFL. Um, his view at the time was, well, you can't prove your funding until you're going to do it because you can't take out any loans or anything until <laughs> until you're certain about it. So it was trying to trying to you know he's trying to prove his funding without without it being in the bank account if you like and it's it's a bit like i don't know when you go for a mortgage you say you i've got a letter saying i can have one but they you haven't got the money so and and he was never going to be a, a absolutely you know rolling in cash owner he was going to be a you know need to make this work as a going concern owner um, yeah, I, I like the idea because he was a Blues fan and he, he genuinely full of heart. And I genuinely believe um, that the reason he was doing it was to try and save the club rather than, mm. uh, you know, mm. make any money. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I, I'm 100% agreement in that. I think I never thought Paul was coming in once to try and snake money out of the club. I thought he was coming in as a Birmingham fan to try and save us from oblivion, basically. <laughs> He bid for the club when um, these owners got it and yeah. didn't get it at that point. On the, mm. on the note of the owners, you were saying, obviously, he, Paul had to do the you know the test and send it off to them and stuff. Yeah. They seemed to approve BSHL, though, weren't they? So you love the EFL for approving people. Yeah. You know, we had Carson prove before that, but we, that's okay. We'll to, to, to be fair, you can't slag the, the EFL about Carson. It was a Premier Yes, it was actually. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was the prem, which is even worse. I meant to be the league. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> it makes it even worse. Uh, but yeah, no, I I think times have moved on a little bit with the uh, EFL and stuff, and because since that time they brought the financial fair play and stuff in. But yeah, but if if you if you harp on about the the white paper a little bit and the fan led review, the reason that's having to happen is. In the in the past, the EFL, even the Premier League, and they they organised competitions for clubs that really had local ownership and were concerned about football. And then big business became part of football, and they've just got no capabilities of regulating business at all. The EFL, the Premier League, and so it does need somebody else to do that. And hopefully, we'll get the independent regulator, which is something that the trust have been pushing for. If I'm right. Oh, yeah, yeah, we've been on this for three, four years now. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it's it's something that feels like it's coming to fruition. And it's not just us at Blues Trust doing it. Trusts up and down the country have been pushing this with the Football Supporters Association. We were, I can remember lobbying government, cool, God knows how many years ago, when the, when the Tory party uh, held its conference in Birmingham and I went along and they were having a, sporting debate i'll tell you the thing that re i re really remember about this it's a bit of a reminiscence but uh <laughs> we were you know we, and there was a I, d I don't know they have these meetings outside the main conference and, and we went to one of those and the fa the, the the guys from the fa were there and stuff and we were talking about you know how football should go in the future and um and we, 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 I actually said to the guy from the FA at the time, well, surely the FA should be running this and dictating it, but actually you're a bit part player to the Premier League and the EFL and stuff. And he, he said, well, yeah, he says we should, but we haven't got the appetite for that. <laughs> I'm going to remember <laughs> to this day. 
So, you know, that really shows that the football authorities are in no position to, to, run, yeah. to run the business side of football, you know. Mm. I, I think I, I said to somebody earlier today, I said, if you thought about a bank doing investment without the financial conduct authority, what, what a state it would be in. Well, <laughs> have a look at football. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Um, just um, out of my own curiosity, really, with the EFL and stuff like if, because obviously we're under investigation, I know there's stuff we can and can't say. Could the EFL theoretically tell BSHL they have to sell? Can that be? Can they sanction? Yeah, they, they can't tell them that they have to sell. That's that's um, they they can ban people, individuals for being part for taking part in football <laughs> and mm-hmm. being in football governance. So. Uh, so interestingly enough, at the moment, with, with those charges that are in at the moment, um, obviously the club and the EFL haven't said who's been charged, but I think the press have been very clear that I think Paul and Paul Richardson, Maxi Lopez, I think Matt Southall, who was going to mm. be the chief exec, but also Von Petch has been charged. He's the, uh, he's the biggest shareholder in Birmingham City. Mm. Oh, is it? He's got a 75% share, if I'm not wrong. It's round about that, because he owns 25% in his own right, or 21%, that stuff that they're going to sell. And then he's a he's a big shareholder in BHSL as well. Yeah. So if you add them all together, he's he's the biggest shareholder. I don't know whether it comes to 50% altogether, but he's the biggest shareholder. And so, apparently... And and you know I can't I can't say whether it's right or wrong, but the press say that he's been charged as well. And if that is the case, that's why I think the EFL have got a, the EFL want to see them gone. Don't get me wrong; they're a <laughs> they're a blot on their reputation and everything else, aren't they? And they just mm. just causing grief. Um, so they they want them gone, really. Although they can't openly say that. Um, so if he if he gets a ban in order. The, the biggest shareholder and the person that owns the ground and something else, <laughs> you know, a 21% outright, um, then there's got to be a lot of shuffling around about um, how you run a club when the biggest shareholder is banned from doing that. Mm-hmm. In, in effect, he has to sell off, but they can't tell him to sell off. But I, I see, yeah. but, and, and I think the the next set of charges that we're expecting out, which is uh, Wang, Wang Yahui's um, involvement in the club, even though uh, even though he's not on any paperwork anywhere, this Mr King. Um, and there is some evidence that he is involved uh, through the Singapore courts and stuff like that. Uh, there's only a little bit of evidence. I, I, I think he's involved across the whole board. I think he's involved in Montpetri's stuff as well, but you know, there's no actual evidence for that. But there is a small bit of evidence that he's uh, he's the beneficial owner of Dragon Villa. And uh, and so that's why the AFL are investigating that, because they've got some paperwork from Singapore courts that um, that don't tie in with the paperwork that, the you know, the club have sent in with owners. And they're saying, well, you know, explain this. So whether the club have explained it, I don't know. But at some point in the in the not too distant future, I think I think we'll be charged with that as well about having a beneficial owner that hasn't been um, named or passed any yeah. and stuff like that. And, and I, think, I think at that point they could start banning anybody that's involved in BHSL really and stuff like that. And so I think it, this goes down a road of ending up with that many banning orders that you can't own the club, but. And so I, that's why I think the EFL stuff is quite helpful to getting it sold at the moment. But mm. you know, there's there's different uh, there's other different views that the EFL are completely incompetent and they're just having a crack at anything. You know. Mm. Yeah. With so that, so, um, go on, Tommy. No, okay. What well, I was just going to ask: When do you reckon that could be like potential to happen? So, like, when you say sometime in the future, that banning order or that fine might come through. Um, How yeah. long would that be? So the ones that where they've put the charges out at the moment won't be till next season. They they right. they, they go through um, they go through a hearing, and that it usually takes months to a, to arrange a hearing and stuff like that. And then after the hearing, you know, the, 
the, the results known. And I think you can appeal the hearing as well. So, you know, I, I think it's just, from my point of view, I'm not too fussed about that end of it because I think it just builds pressure to sell. Mm. Um, it, you know, the, the fact that there could be a banning order around the corner for the biggest shareholder and stuff like that, there's got to be putting pressure on them to, to sell. Yeah. And, and do you know what these charges could look like in terms of what punishment could be given? So... So the current charges, and we don't know what the the penalties are, um, and the penalties are secret. But a similar a case, yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> well, they're, they're not disclosed. It's, it's like who's who's been charged. Why is that then? Disclosed. Well, I, I guess they're saying, well, there's a hearing to be had, and we don't know the result until there's a hearing. Right. Okay. So, but the the EFL will have said. Actually, I don't know whether they say yet. But they'll say at the hearing what they think the penalty should be, and then the hearing will say, "Well, we think that's fair or not fair," type thing. Um, it's a bit like but, a court case kind of thing. Yeah, but the the closest to what we're in at the moment was at Rochdale, I think it was um, a year or so ago, where there was a load of shareholders transferring shares behind the scenes. And to be honest, the club had nothing to do with it because, you know, there were shareholders just swapping shares and buying and selling shares without telling the club sort of thing, mm. uh, which, you know, a bit like what we are. And <laughs> what, what happened with Rochdale is the AFL gave them a they, – they gave banning orders out for two years to the people involved, the individuals involved. Um, and they gave the club a six-point deduction – but they suspended the deduction on oh, yes. if it didn't happen again. And I think that was a way of saying, look, we will go after the individuals. And so long as, you know, the club isn't involved in it, we will we'll suspend that sentence. So mm -hmm. I think, and I actually think it was, wasn't a bad way of dealing with it. Um, yeah, it, it sounds sensible, doesn't it? It's not punishing the club in, individually, yeah. is it? Mm. Yeah. So, like you said, and it like the EFL with us Birmingham fans, Cliff. Like you were saying, a lot of us fans seem to hate the EFL at the minute. Yeah. So if they do a suspended thing like that, it's kind of like them going to us. We know it's not you. We know yeah. it's not your football club. It's your owners. So, however, if we do this, yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know whether the EFL would say that's the message, but I, that's the message I take from it. Yeah, that's, mm. that's and it, give me some respect. In, interestingly enough, the the rules around, you know, what the independent regulator might be, if the, the, the punishments that the independent regulator would give out are basically banning orders and fines and stuff, but no sporting penalties for owners for owners getting it wrong, they, they they won't they won't have the power to do points deductions and stuff like that. It'll still be left to the football authorities to do that sort of thing. Mm. So. So I, I think that's right. If the owners are playing about with the finances and the future of a club, then they're the people that should be done. It's no use finding the club a load of money if they haven't got any, is it? Can't fault us what we haven't got. <laughs> <laughs> just, just going back on towards Dale then, um, what's your hopes and sort of ideas that he could bring to the club? Um. I'll start off by saying I'm really glad that it's not all over the press and, and having a commentary. I, I'll go back to the Paul thing. Paul, I think it was Paul's strategy to put it in the public domain, to put pressure on the club to get it, or well, the owners to, to get it signed. Um, it looks as if Jeremy Dale has took a, a different approach to that. You know, he's keeping it close to his chest. I think all I know is that um, the the people within the club, the you know, the senior management in the club are are seeing people doing due diligence around the club. So something is going on. Um, I would hope it can happen quickly, but it's such a complex deal that anybody has to put together to try and uh, to try and buy the blues. And there's there's that many legalities about. If if you were buying it outright, then you can take a chance on it and buy it outright. But if you if if you end up buying it over, you know, a, a two and a half year period or whatever it was, uh, which 
I think it's what's on offer, the same as the Richardson thing and the same as the Bassini thing as it happens. <laughs> um, we don't talk about Bassini. Yeah. <laughs> Zach, Zach will start screaming if you say Bassini. Yeah, we, we don't mention his name on here anymore. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I think it's the same sort of deal. But the legalities and the complications of doing that over a two-year period to, 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 um, to be able to persuade... You know your your money men and your backers that uh, that their money is safe, you know, and that they won't do a runner with it. You know, is is really tricky, <laughs> mm. and so uh, and so you know to to get that tied up legally. And the, the other side to that is the club or the the owners or the BHSL. Uh, you know, they've done the voluntary thing to the Hong Kong Stock Exchange saying we're looking and talking to investors in for 21% of the club. Well, I'm not sure whether that's right because no investor is going to have 21% of the club for a load of money and then not not have control of it. Mm. So so they are looking at control and, and buying it, you know, over a period of time mm. for the whole amount. But... I don't know whether that's illegal that they haven't said that in the Hong Kong Stock Exchange um, notice or not. Yeah, no. sorry, that's what confused because I'm ninety nine. I'm willing to be wrong here, Cliff. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I'm willing yeah. to die on my hill, but I'm ninety nine percent sure when Richardson initially did the Talksport interview, he said that he has got twenty one point something percent, yeah. but has full dictatorship on what happens at Birmingham yeah. City. Yeah. And Which and that was that off. was right. that was right, and the, there was there was a contract signed saying that the, all the contracts were signed with the Paul Richardson thing. It's just that he needed EFL approval. But as as that went on, the the charges come out, and Paul wanted to change it, and and the club would say that well he couldn't prove he couldn't prove that he'd got the money, so it's all falling through. They got they got to a deadline that a drop dead deadline in the in the contracts that either. It, which they could have extended, but the club wouldn't extend it. So it was there. It was pretty much them just messing them about in the end, which is what caused well, Paul that, to pull out the deal. Yeah, that's what Paul would say. The cl- the club would say that actually he, he had plenty of time to get EFL approval, etc., and he still hadn't got it. So you know. So so I'm quite curious around you know the statement that came out from Birmingham City when the deal ended. From how you could read that, it looked like either way because it said the clubs, ex- the owners have exercised their right to pull the deal. So yeah. I'm not sure was that BSHL pulling the deal or is that Richardson pulling the deal? When you read it, the initial yeah. Birmingham City statement, you kind of like to me it looked like BSHL had pulled the deal for yeah. at that point and gone and, no. Yeah, that's that's what they said. Yeah, yeah. Um, whether that, I, I, I think I think it, I think it had got to a point where it wasn't going to happen by the look of it. Mm. But the, the the Paul Richardson side to that story, um, and what, what 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 we did put out at the time was that um, he asked for an extra clause to go in the contract um, over the EFL charges, basically saying if um, if if the EFL charges came uh, resulted in a points deduction that also resulted in relegation, then he wanted the value of the club. Or the amount that he was paying to to be reduced, yeah. And they, and they said they wouldn't do that. That's the Paul Richardson side of the story. The club side of the story is we, you know, we we put a long stop deadline in this contract for, you know, to pending EFL approval, and that didn't happen, so we've pulled it. So there's two sides to every story, I guess. Mm. Of course, yeah. I think with the, with the oh no sorry sorry were you were going to say something? No go on you go. I was just going to add to the Jeremy Dale stuff obviously because it's probably the deal that looks most likely to happen at the moment. Um, but obviously being the Blues, it could happen. It could just all fall apart tomorrow. I just don't because obviously it is so quiet at the moment. It doesn't seem like much is going to happen because we've been down this road before with Richardson where it's been very much in the public and now it's gone a bit quieter. But there was also a point, was it, I can't remember who we were away against, where, um, oh, I'll come back to me in a sec, where the deal was just off again. So it's pretty much like it goes on and then off. I mean, is there ever going to be a point that you can possibly see that it looks like almost nailed on if they can get past a certain goal of certain targets yeah. to reach? I think I think the goals that 
a buyer has to get through is they it's, it's i think they have to have a business cap plan and vision for the future and and they have to prove how they're going to fund that and yeah. obviously pass the owners and directors test if, if you assume the people involved can pass the owners and directors tests you know who knows <laughs> I, I think it's it's um it's not american i think it's canadian backers i thought that yeah as well yeah that's why i read but and so if you if you assume that you know all that side of it is okay then you know rocking up at the efl with your proof of uh proof that you've got the money and your business plan that they're happy with uh, then it relies on obviously um bhsl signing the deal so i think and and that deal is complicated you know lawyers from both sides will be pouring over stuff and you know how long does it take lawyers to pour over complicated situations it can mm. drag on forever i think mm. i think my view is you know within the next couple of months it's either on or it's off but yeah you just don't know and mm. you know and and is there somebody else in the pipeline waiting to step in and have another crack at it you know <laughs> I, <laughs> my, my my worry is that you know it's it's a string along thing from BHSL rather than a serious attempt to to sell it. That's yeah. that's my big worry behind it, and why I think you know the protests and and keeping the pressure on is a, is a, is really important. They they have to be embarrassed to own the club and want to sell it. I think yeah. you've got to look at it. Yeah, that that's all, almost what I was I was going to ask as well. What as I mean, firstly, do you agree with the protests, you know, the recent one against West Brom? And do you think there's more as fans and, I guess, people watching at home could be doing to, I don't know, force a change and, and yeah. you know, for the for the future of our club, really? Yeah. No, I, I really agree with the protests. Um, I mean, as a trust, we always take the line of, you know, it needs to be safe and it needs to be legal. And, mm. and that's, but as long as it's safe and legal, we're we're on board with it, really um and and you know we'll take part in it uh, i think I, I i've got i've got a sort of personal view that it's good to have protests and stuff at the ground um it's it's it, there's no point in doing it every week and stuff like that it's good to have stuff at the ground because it keeps everybody on edge and it keeps the people at, you know at the club of, of a mind when they're talking to the board and stuff to say, yeah, we've got a real issue here and stuff like that. But, but I think we've got to take the protest to Hong Kong, Cambodia or wherever. And, you know, and we can't, we can't get a jumbo jet full of blue noses. No. Together. <laughs> but, uh, but, but we've got to find a way of getting into the press and stuff over in Hong Kong and stuff. So, right. so people, you know, on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange and business people within uh, within Hong Kong and stuff are saying to the people that on paper own BHSL, what's uh, what's going on here? You've got a bit of an issue and all that lot. And 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 culturally, being embarrassed like that is a is a, is a really big issue. So uh, I I think we've got to find ways of taking the protest in that direction. I'm not saying we shouldn't do protests at the ground and stuff. Um, you know, I, I think I think it's good to do it, and it's good to keep everybody on edge with it um, and keep the pressure up. But I think, you know, if we miss a week of protesting at the ground, I don't think it, I don't think it takes the pressure off. You know, missing a couple of weeks and things like that. Um, I think, I think they understand the pressure within the club. It's uh, it's the pressure of BHSL. It's a long way away, and. Um, they haven't got a clue what's going on over here. They won't know whether there's a march up and down or anything like that. Um, and so I think, yes, keep the pressure locally because you need to, we need to keep that boiling. But we've got to find some fairly innovative ways of uh, putting some pressure in uh, Hong Kong. Mm. Uh, yeah. Interesting, yeah. Well, I, I wanted to ask, do you think something like social media could be a good way of of getting the the message out to the people over in Hong Kong because as you said we can't I guess ship a load of blues fans over there but do you think something like social media could be a good way yeah. of getting that message out there yeah my my view is 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 uh to try and get social media out there um you know 
explaining and embarrassing. And the press, some of, some of the, the newspapers and the, and the radio stations out there, I think we've got to get hold of those as well. Right, I know yeah. we, we, when, when, we were, when we were involved with the, you know, dong out stuff, uh, we, got, uh, we got a really good article in the South China Morning Post, which, which pretty much embarrassed them over there. And uh, we we think that was one of the one of the one of the keys to getting him out. The biggest key to getting him out was that brilliant aeroplane going over mm. and and somebody arranging with Sky to get that shot of the plane and him his face, which is you know, blues fans have Such got a genius. Of, that is, blues yeah. fans have got a lot of contacts and do a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. So in terms of the future of the club, then, I mean, where do you think we stand? I know that's a very difficult question to answer because it could go down so many yeah. directions. But that was my what, question. What, what, yeah. what, what do you think Blues could look like in the next four, five, ten years, however long? So you, there's, there's, there's a negative and a positive to this, isn't there? Let, let, let's, let's do the downside of this at the moment. <laughs> Get out of the way. Assume the current owners string along and just carry on what they're doing putting enough money into the club so that we don't go bust so that there's no administration and they just keep us going whether we're in division one or division two it doesn't make any difference to them you know in that respect in fact they might have to put less money in to keep the club going it's obviously not keeping the club going is there They've got different reasons for keeping the club going than being a Blues fan or being interested in the club. And you can speculate on what all those reasons are. Obviously, one of them is keeping the Hong Kong Stock Exchange listing, which they think is worth between 50 and 100 million quid. Uh, and so spending a few million here and there to, to keep that asset, if you like, is um, something they would do. Um, you know, as to and there's there's loads of other theories about you know where the money comes from and and what goes on behind the scenes and that's why you keep the club running, uh, non-provable or you know um, or necessarily true. You know, but mm -hmm. uh, if 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 we carry on in that vein, uh, basically we look we, we we drop down the league, leagues, we we lose the fan base and you know the best thing that we've got is a Hong Kong stock exchange listing by the parent company, you know, and you know, that's, that's a really horrible future. Assuming though, that the pressure at the moment and, and growing pressure um, means that they sell, then the future's rosy. I think, um, I think if, if we can get somebody that comes in that buys it, there'll definitely be, two or three years worth of stabilising, you know, they've got to get the wage bill in line with everything, stuff like that, uh, stabilising. And then I'm, I'm sure whoever would buy it would have plans about getting it stabilised and then looking to move it on to different levels. We are we are the proverbial sleeping giant and everybody knows that. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of reward for somebody who can turn it round. So, oh, absolutely, yeah. So I think uh, I think the future in that sense. I think I think it, if if you say we got sold this summer, um, fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, I want it. I want it more than anything. But you know, <laughs> if, if that was the sort of time frame, then um, you know, I think you you get you got two or three seasons of reconciliation and building and 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 stuff like that, and and hopefully. Over, the, over that period of time, a new owner would be setting out the vision for what they want to do in the future, you know, around grounds and stuff like that. And, mm. uh, and you know, we're aiming, you know, everybody would be aiming for the premiership, but, you know, talking about how that could happen and things like that. And, you know, it would be great to be having those discussions, wouldn't it, rather than we could be bust next week. Oh, we won't. Be <laughs> they won't even let us go bust and put us out of our misery. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> one thing they... Sorry, Jamie, let me just because one thing they do say actually was the fact that obviously, because you're talking about the potential stadium, you know, on the ground and everything, but they include, um, they include safe standing in that um email, yeah. Do, do, 
what did that sort of ring to you? Because it, it felt like a bit of diversion tactic for us three. I, I think it is. I think the stuff about the safe standing is is, is right, and they are mm. doing that. I think the, the new thing in that letter was saying that they put the money aside for it because when they told us they were doing it in the summer at the fans' forum last time, um, they put a proviso on it subject to board approval. Now, it sounds as if they've got the board approval to do that if the chairman's saying that. So, because uh, he's saying categorically the money's been ring fenced for the summer, which, which in one sense bodes well, you know, they've ring fenced the money and they're going to do it because uh, I don't think he'd have said that if that wasn't true. <laughs> On the other hand, they might still be there in the summer. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'd, 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 I'd rather he'd say, you know what, we don't care because we won't be there, we're selling. But that, that would be better, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, but obviously, so that's the case. Now, I know, I mean, I, I don't think I'm breaking any confidences, but by saying the the designs and stuff for the for the lower tiers now, they'll look, uh, have been done, and the designs accommodate um, safe standing around the tilt and, you know, across the, the bottom of the tilt. And yeah. If the fans vote against safe standing and one seats then you can swap the safe safe standing out for seats so they can mm -hmm. go with what the decision is so it's I not like the safe standing at cardiff is it i don't but they've know. got both haven't they yeah i'm just in the design yeah mm. it's um i can't remember what to call it it's uh it, it, the, 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 there is a foldable seat within the yeah the cardiff one there's like a foldable seat within it yeah well. yeah but uh, yeah, I think I think putting seats in is cheaper than putting the safe standing in. So. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Whatever happens, we just want that stadium full and and, and open again because yeah. it's, it's been it's yeah. been so many years now and it's been such a such a shame because I'm sure you'll agree the atmosphere just seems a bit flat at the moment and I completely get why because I mean obviously the club's in a bit of a mess. Yeah, I think the atmosphere is flat with the people in there. You know, they just we're just all fed up to the back teeth with it all, yeah. aren't we? I also think there's a lot of people don't go um, that may well go back with new owners mm. because lots of people I, you know, I I can't put numbers on it, but quite quite a few people I know only go to away games. They ain't, they ain't going to put any money through the club down there and stuff like that. So, mm. And there's a lot of people, you know, that I chat to who've been season ticket holders in the past that says, you know what? I, I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna, I'm not even. I can't be bothered to go down there until it's sorted out. So I, I, I think there's quite a, quite, quite a big number of people that actually would get interested again. Um, although they might have found out that shopping's all right on a Saturday and not bother anything. <laughs> although you don't get that many Saturday games anymore. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. This season's been awful for it. There's so many Tuesday night games, it's insane. Uh, the World Cup has proper done over the uh, schedule, hasn't it? Yeah. Same with Friday nights. We've had like four or five Friday night games as well, which is just nuts. Just brutal, yeah. isn't it? I was mm. never particularly concerned. No, it sounds silly. You know when people were saying, I'm not sure if the ground will get done in terms of money. Mm. I said to these on the to the response letter we did the other day, I said, any businessman... Now, anyone who wanted, who let's say Birmingham City inquired and said, oh, could you do our ground for us? Yeah. You'd be a fool to not take the payment in full off us because there is no way you want to be owed money off Birmingham City. Oh, no way. I, I, I would imagine there might be some deposits up front. I don't know. Yeah, don't that's know. what I mean. Like, surely you don't want to be coming back to us going, you owe us 50 grand. Not as, a chance. As, <laughs> as, as a contractor with a four or five million pound contract, you'd, You'd want that guaranteed somehow, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. I mean. <laughs> You'd be a silly, silly businessman not to pull that off, would you? Yeah. Be like, we'll pay you like, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> most, most building contracts, you see, do do payments, um, your know, monthly payments. You know, you, the progress you've made, you get paid for it. I, I think I'd have to have some other arrangement if I was contracting to do that. Definitely. In law, on paper, sign that he's getting paid. Signed yeah. in blood. Yeah, in blood, yeah. signed. It's, it's usually clients that try and get a performance bond out of the contractor, you know, to know that they've got enough money to do, you know, to buy the materials and get the job done. <laughs> it's the other way around. How close are we to just getting Birmingham fans themselves, just sending it in the summer down to St Andrews and doing the stands themselves at this point? We're all getting sick of it. 
Do you know what? That's possible. The, the more people I talk to, you know, being a member of Blues Trust and talking to the other, some of the other groups and stuff, there is a there is a lot of companies out there run by blue noses that could probably. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying do a five million quid contract over it, but yeah, for free, <laughs> certainly would um, would uh, be able to do a lot of the work. It's mm. it, you know it, it would be hard to do from a club's point of view to you know ask the fans have, have you got a company that's good enough to come and out, have yeah. a crack at some of this? You know they they need a proper contract and they need to do it professionally and all that lot, but. You know that some of the maintenance and stuff at the Blues, if they got if they got hold of some of the local companies and things like that, that I I think there's a there's something there that you know as Blues Trust we said we'll we'll bring we'll bring a load of people down we'll bring a load of our members down to you know just do a bit of painting and tidy the place yeah, a bit of a tidy the place yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and we got the I mean that forced them it shamed them into you know the putting the banners up and stuff, didn't it? You know, and closing it oh, up. Oh, really? But, yeah. Is that the, one of the big reasons why those stickers and the banners got put out of the blues? Well, we, we were we were giving them a lot, load of shit about the maintenance. It, not just us, but the rest of the fans mm. were as well. And, um, yeah, and we were we put forward a proposal to get the fan groups down there and, you know, go around, pick the rubbish up, do some weeding and, and, and a bit of tidying up. And I think they were shamed into thinking, well, we ought to do some ourselves. Mm. That's interesting, that is. There's yeah. one, one last sort of thing before we let you go. Is obviously, the, you're obviously, being that Blues Trust is incredibly close to the um, board, uh, the managing board at the football club. I mean, what's your relationship like with them? Is it good? Yeah. Is it a productive one? Yeah, not, I, I haven't got a relationship with the board at all. My yeah. relationship is with uh, some of the senior managers there. Ian Dutton, obviously, I can speak to Craig and stuff if I need to. Um, uh, and we've had meetings in the past where a couple of us from the trust have sat down with the senior team, so the finance director and stuff like that. When we were talking about the fan advisory board, to be fair, <laughs> in the last year or so. So, no, I feel like um, I've got a relationship with Ian that, you know, I can ring him up if I need to and say what the hell's going on with this, and and he'll be as honest as he can with me. I mm. I, I feel for the senior management team to a degree. Uh, you know, one they've been thrown into those positions because they cleared out the level of the people that, um, a couple of years ago, so they're they're in positions that, you know, tough they're, positions. They're, they're in, yeah. tough positions, maybe not with that much experience of doing them and stuff like that. So it's. Um, and and in a bit of a viper's den, and they've got no autonomy to do what they think is right. You know, mm. um, they can't spend any money without going back to the board and getting it okayed and stuff like that. So I feel for them in that issue. And so, I mean, I've always said to Ian, you know, um, if if I can help you do your job in any way, I will. <laughs> um, it doesn't mean I won't be putting on social media that. Um, I think we should be protesting, and we want the want the club sold or anything like that. But I think I think over the time Ian's been in that position, I've got a relationship with him where we understand that, you know, we, we might we might be saying different things in social media and uh, and that. But but I think there's quite a strong relationship in so much as, you know, he is a blue nose and he he wants to do the best for the club. I understand that, and if I can help him then I will. And to be fair, if he can help us as supporters, he will. He, he, mm. he desperately wants the, you know, the fans engaged properly and everything. It's just that in, in his position, he, with with the board that he's got above him and the BHSL and the owners, um, you know, they they can't do anything publicly without, uh, without approval. So, you know, even this letter, you know, Maybe, maybe they could have written a letter out. I mean, we wanted it from the BHSL anyway, and so you know, and, and, and we asked Ian to pass it on to them to get a response, which is fine, and that's what we wanted. But you know, I just, I just imagine the senior management team getting that in and saying, "Okay, we'll write this, that, and the other out, and then sending it out." They'd, they'd all be sacked next week, you know. So, <laughs> I, I think you know, 
they, you know, they get paid for doing the job they're doing. Um, I, I think we can all argue that sometimes they could do a better job than they do. Um, you know, when when we've got a ticketing crisis or something like that. But but they are sort of day to day running of the club. There's there's no strategy involved in their jobs. I don't think um, that's all the board. So you know, asking them if we can have a new stadium next year and stuff. They they just got. You know, they genuinely can't answer it, I don't think. Mm. That's fair enough, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've, you've got to have a certain amount of sympathy. I don't know how much and how long the sympathy lasts for because, you know, at, at some point, they're, you know, when, when do they come be part of the ownership or not? I don't think they are necessarily at the moment, but at, at some point, you know, all the fans say, well, you're in there, you know do something about it <laughs> but yeah they they they've got no power really even though they're a senior management team in that respect as far as i know mm. i think they can they can go to the board and, I, and i'm pretty sure they probably do go to the board and say you know this is wrong that's wrong but uh, whether they get you know they they're going to be um look after the jobs enough not to come out and say what's been going on aren't they? Mm. You know, they, they might be round with them you don't know or they might be agreeing with them you don't know they can't say yeah that is true yeah that's interesting to think those yeah well yeah it's been great having you on cliff it's been really interesting to hear your uh, thoughts on the club and everything that goes on behind the scenes uh if you want to do you want to do like a quick sort of uh talk about the blues trust and what you offer as like a, a fan group yeah, obviously we're we're a fan group. We're the Blues Trust is uh, con- constituted legally so that we can own assets and things. Um, uh, we're affiliated to the Football Supporters Association. Um, we ask our members to pay a membership fee of five pound a year. All the all the work that we do behind the scenes is done basically by the board members uh, free of charge. There's there's no cost. Uh, Nobody gets paid anything. Uh, it's all voluntary. Um, our expenses are low, and uh, and we think the membership fees are low. We we need to charge a membership fee because when you become a member, um, one pound of that membership fee buys you a share in the trust uh, because it's a completely democratic organisation. The reason we have an AGM every year is all the members have to vote every year as to who's going to run the trust for them, you know, and vote a board on and stuff like that. So it is one member, one vote all the way through that. Um, I think one of the biggest things we're trying to do at the moment is is, is to try and pull the different supporters groups together to, to you know, act as one under the Solar Club campaign. So uh, I think that's our biggest thing at the moment. Obviously, behind the scenes, we're, we're working with MPs and the Football Sports Association to uh, get the white paper through and get independent regulation of football in, which we think will help. Fantastic, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, once again, thanks, Cliff, for coming on. It's been a great You're talk welcome. to you. Enjoyed it. Really, really insightful, really interesting to hear some of the stuff that goes on at the club, obviously, because there's a lot going around at the moment. There's a lot of rumours <laughs> and just anything. Yeah. And trying to find out, I don't know whether about you, this is just sort of like trying to find anything that's got an ounce of truth to it sometimes yeah. it's difficult to find and, out because obviously there's the lost hills burning down the other day as well and immediately everybody's immediate reaction is going it's foul play it's done on purpose yeah, yeah apparently, apparently, it was a, apparently it's an electrical fault but you know i don't know i don't know it's i i i just i just i just howled because as soon as it and it's a terrible thing to happen and they i think they're trying to out church at the moment or not Alf oh really yeah not out here. London Wasp Stadium, I read. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. So, but, <laughs> but when anything, I, I mean, I, <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> to be it's honest, honest, isn't it? the sympathy for the senior management team does come out a little bit because, what <laughs> you know, they can't buy any luck. The team can't buy any luck. They can't buy any luck administratively. No. Place goes up in flames, and we all just say, "Oh, God, it's the contract's been burned." You're in job, you know. I'm sure. I'm sure it probably isn't, but that no. it's that lack of trust, to be fair, and that um, that non-confidence in 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 what can go on at the club that brings the mood down. And 
I don't know, we're pretty good at gallows humour as well, though, aren't we, as Blues fans? We love a good laugh at Easter, we don't we? Yeah. <laughs> what else do we have? Yeah. yeah. It's literally what this podcast has turned into be, actually. After we've gone on so many games and losing, we're just like, all right, what should we laugh about this week? <laughs> what can Jamie rant about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> rant that uh, lifts, lifts the mood. So, yeah, thank you guys for watching. This has been the Blues Focus podcast with Cliff and the Blues Trust uh, and Jamie and Zach. Thank you guys for joining me again. Anytime. Really, it's been good having you on. And uh, yeah, you can be sure to follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. I'm not going to read them all out because chances are you can't be watching this on YouTube anyway. I almost had a heart attack the last time I almost read out all of our socials, so um, I'm definitely not doing it this time. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys for listening, and keep right on. Keep right on, guys. Um... Podcast Network. There's always something new and exciting happening in Montgomery County, Maryland. Join podcaster and business leader Kelly Leonard and me, Bob Levy, on another episode of Something to Talk About, where we speak with industry leaders making an impact in our county. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share box ready to go, your mates are already booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.